0: Did you know that 46% of CFOs are going to take a cost-cutting approach to pandemic recovery? And only one in five board members claim to have experience with brand marketing. Hi, I'm Ian Whitaker. As an analyst, I've been invited by JC Deco to bring you key pieces of macroeconomic research and insight that gives senior marketers the guidance and practical advice on how to plan marketing strategies to become change agents in your organization. Today, we are bringing the first series of this podcast to a close with an incredibly important case study. I'm delighted to be chatting with Mark Evans, Managing Director of Marketing and Digital at Direct Line Group. Direct Line has been through a huge change process to demonstrate the value of advertising and have successfully put marketing on the boardroom agenda. All of this has been led by Mark, who has been with the group since 2012 and has brands like Mars and HSBC on his record. Mark also features on the Campaign Power 100 list who describe him as a leader who genuinely cares. Mark, thanks very much for joining. Joining. I mean, sort of, a, it's great to have you on. Pleasure. So No, 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 particularly as, you know, the work you've done at Direct Line, I think very much sort of a lot of people would see really as as the poster, sort of a poster child, if, if you don't mind me calling you that. So, so for how marketing should be done in an organisation and how sort of somebody in control of marketing persuades the board that actually it is such a strategically crucial function on on things. Well,
1: it's very good to hear it. I would say the job is never done.
0: Yeah. uh, Because it's a bit of a weakest link thing. Mm.
1: Marketing's reputation in an organisation, you know, that that job to convince the rest of the organisation that marketing is anything other than a colouring-in function, Mm -hmm. that job is never done.
0: Yeah. And that description of colouring-in function... It is, I mean, it, it plays to so many particular themes that, you know, marketing's always seen as a cost. It's always seen as, you know, we have this situation now where obviously there are, you know, there are economic uncertainties around, not necessarily being reflected in company results, which in Q1 seem to be pretty much sort of dominated by many companies saying top line is actually stronger than expected. But you do have a situation where I think it's 46% of CFOs have said that cost cutting sort of it is, potentially could be a priority during this, during this downturn. How do you, in that position, sort of what would be the arguments that you would use to your board in that position to say, yes, you know, there's an obvious thing here to say cut marketing because it's an immediate cost saving and there's a question mark about where the consumer is at the moment. What would be the arguments you would use to to CFOs, CEOs, boards as to say, hold on, that's a very short-term approach. This is not the thing that we should be doing.
1: Well, you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, The role of the marketer is to bring the outside in, bring the future forward, Mm -hmm. and guard against short-term thinking in many regards. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, in that sense, uh, that impact is built upon having built credibility Mm -hmm. so that people get that you are commercially astute and have Mm -hmm. the commercial interest in the business rather than fanciful brand building. But from that position of influence, and frankly, if you are on the Exco or the board, you can have these mm-hmm. conversations direct. I mean, the argument at one level is quite straightforward. If you don't invest in brands, you won't have a business in five years' time. Mm-hmm. But of course, that you need to put a bit more substance underneath that. And, and in the end, that means that we do look to prove out the ROI on our brand building activity mm-hmm. and maintain that. And then... But of course, you've got to show up for the the cost uh, the cost cause. And so we would moderate up and down the performance mm-hmm. spend, but actually investing in the long-term health of the brands is the constant. Mm-hmm. But that has to be built upon a belief that brand building is an important thing and a value-add thing and an investment mm-hmm. rather than a cost. And, and to an extent, the performance marketing part of the budget is a cost. Yep because it's the cost of acquisition to get people through the door. But it's a slightly different mentality in terms of brand building in that it is an investment for future return. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I mean, I think any marketer worth their salt will be uh, championing that long-term
0: thinking to hold a balance in this, these really difficult times. I it's interesting what you said about the the sort of, you keep the, the brand spending constant and really where the variance is on the performance marketing side. Because often what you hear from companies, I think it was Kazoo, for example, was saying sort of in in their statement talking about how it would be the brand spending that would be cut and the performance marketing that would be maintained. And that seems to be the sort of, I'm not sort of of specifically singling out that company, but often you hear that, that essentially when it's the, if they're going to cut the advertising, the focus seems to be on, let's maintain the performance marketing, but actually cut the brand spending. But. Well, I'm going to have to say,
1: I largely disagree. It might vary by sector. Yeah. But it, to an extent it works out so performance marketing will be a function of the cost the cost of advertising uh, the amount of shopping and switching and buying that's in the market uh, the you know the the weight or the intensity of the bid in the auction on Google for example and so to some extent if you're on your ROIs it self-equilibrates because you don't want to invest beneath an ROI of 1 mm-hmm. so you will self-limit your spend mm-hmm and and so to headlessly recklessly spend at an inflated cost of acquisition and a reduced ROI that's what gets marketing into trouble yeah mm. on the flip side brand spend I mean, we have to go back to the neuroscience of marketing, which Mm -hmm. is wanting to create mental availability by um, continually reminding those stored memory structures in people's heads Mm -hmm. of this is a brand that I'm aware of and that I would consider. Mm -hmm. And so uh, through the eyes of Ehrenberg, Bass and Byron Sharp and how brands grow, that would say you need to be always on from a brand building point Mm -hmm. of view because it's constantly topping up. So at
0: least in our sector, I see it completely the other way around. Right, okay, that is interesting. I mean, it's funny what sort of mentioned about that sort of the always on, as it were, with the with brand spending. I mean, one of the ways that I've always viewed particularly brand advertising is the phrase that views the is intangible CapEx. Mm. You know, this whole idea that like a firm actually builds a builds a factory in order to actually be, drive sales, it does the same sort of thing as well with its brand. Yeah. But also as well, there's this whole thing is you don't just have to build the factory, you have to maintain it. And if you don't maintain it, then what happens is over time it runs down and the cost of replacement yep. is it is actually so much greater than what would bit
1: Yeah, and, and this is now measurable. So in our 2018 IPA paper that we got two golds for, um, we were able to, across our portfolio, where mm-hmm. we've had various levels of, of brand spend over time, have enough data, enough rich data to start to pull apart. What is the decay factor of mm-hmm. dropping back on brand spend? Um, what's the sort of, in a, from a airplane metaphor. Once you lose cruising altitude, how much more petrol do you burn to get back to cruising altitude? And ultimately, we produced this model which mashed up um, our econometrics with our uh, brand tracking to understand the short and the long-term ROI Mm -hmm. on our brand spend. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think um, a couple of the econometrics agencies have since followed suit and provide that as a service. but 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 absolutely, it shows <laughs> it shows the return yeah. on brand spend, and so even with the the long term bit, you can talk talk numbers with the board, mm-hmm. uh, and so we we can say yes for every pound we switch from performance spend to brand spend within year, the reduction in R and I is maybe a point three, but over two years it's plus point six. Yeah, uh, and uh, I think that changes the whole conversation, and. Um, Buys you a bit of latitude for some of those bits which are subjective and intuitive, mm-hmm. because a board or an exec will have confidence that you know your numbers. Yeah.
0: straightforwardly. Yeah, and it is, it's an interesting point that about the confidence in terms of when it comes to the numbers, because you know, one of the sort of uh, one of the things that have come out from surveys is say that only one in five board members feel as though they have brand experience, and obviously for many board members yeah, who don't have that knowledge about the importance of brand. Yeah, they look at it because of the accounting treatment, because yep. yeah, everything else, they look at it at a cost and if they don't understand sort of uh, what's going on, the natural inclination it, it is to cut it. What do you th- sort of how do you find in terms of of the most useful tools for actually persuading other board members who might not be so sort of experienced when it comes to brand? that, yes, this is important. And you've touched on it before in terms of you know, the studies and, uh, and yep. so forth. Yeah, is it the language that's important? Is it the data? Is it sort of uh, what exactly is it?
1: So it is, it is those things. Um, it's also not falling into the stereotypical traps. Uh, mm-hmm. So I once had some very good advice a few years ago saying, if you really love your advertising, if you think it's amazing, show your mum yeah. or, or your dad <laughs> or your friends, don't show it to the board. Right. As a rule of thumb, try to avoid having a communication conversation mm-hmm. with the board because they may or may not be impressed. The downside is they start tinkering with your creative platform and so yeah. on. Um, so actually, don't go with that. Go go with the numbers. Lead with yeah. the numbers. And so, very practically, you know, we have a large non-exec board and there's a bit of a revolving door mm-hmm. because, of course, you know, they have a, a fixed tenure. And so, when we do non-exec inductions, mm-hmm. we show them the econometrics. Okay. Yeah. And it's it's analysis that they get and understand Mm -hmm. and, uh, methodologies that they're familiar with. And it, it does two things. One is it says, you know, we, we talk in numbers, we don't talk in crayons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and, um, and also they, it it demonstrates the value. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's this, uh, there's this notion, which is that there's a cut skew. There's always a cut skew. The cut skew is growing right now, Yeah, but it's always there. Uh, and, um, unless marketing is careful, it will be at the front of the Mm cut skew. And the job is to slowly but surely move back a place, move back a place move and get to the back of the back's of the Mm -hmm. cuts queue. And and so for me, one of the best things I heard last year was from one of our finance leads, which is um, I can't, I can't make any promises, but it will be the last place that we come if we need to Mm -hmm. find more in our cost objectives for 2021. So I think that's, that's quite a big signal, but it, but it does all come back to avoid the stereotypes, the archetypes, don't those self-inflicted wounds, um, and, and, and always lead with an investment case.
0: Yeah, and that's it's so important because at the end of the day, it all comes down to, for listed companies anyway, delivering share, well, for all companies, delivering yeah. shareholder value yeah. and really tying in where marketing fits into, into that end game. And certainly from an outside perspective, you know, what we'd look at is exactly that sort of point before with the crayons that there's a risk sometimes of what happens is marketers speak in a, a different language yeah. to the board and a different set of priorities. Yeah. And really, that's the sort of thing that is going to get you to the front of the queue when it comes to cuts.
1: Yeah, and, and um, an interesting twist on this conversation is that many marketers are picking up customer experience mm-hmm. as, a, as a, a folding into their remit, maybe. Uh, the chief marketing officer role is archetypally built around that. And mm-hmm. I, I would say... Most chief marketers, if they're not in some way responsible for architecting the customer experience, then they're only doing half half of mm-hmm. the job that's required. But again, there's this fallacy that customer experience is some sort of hedonistic pursuit of mm. of uh, some utopian uh, mm-hmm. state for for all customers at all times. And and of course, that's again portrays your intent as fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, again, what we've done is to to prove the case, so we can prove. The causality and correlation between NPS and and retention in our case, insurance mm-hmm. retention is really critical. So, from a naught to a ten NPS, we can say exactly what the delta is on retention across sales and service, mm-hmm. and also across our claims journeys. And so, then you can get to the value of a one percentage increase mm-hmm. in NPS is X. Mm-hmm therefore this is why you need to invest either in you know the transformation of some of those journeys or Mm -hmm. bolstering some of those journeys or whatever it is but again it's sort of computational it's mathematical it's modeled to say here's the investment case so Mm -hmm. uh, you know it's great that marketing's remit is expanding but Mm -hmm. again it's weakest link stuff and if you get all hedonistic and fantastical on customer experience again it undermines your credibility as a commercial leader in the, in the organization. Mm So I I guess I'm a bit jaundiced because I was an economist uh, or I did an economics degree and corporate strategy and was destined for a career in banking. And, um, and so I guess I'm not your average marketer, Mm -hmm. but my worst fear is being seen as commercially lightweight. Right. Okay. And so I rail against that. And hence we built a really kick-ass marketing effectiveness function and kind of never let up.
0: You, you actually, on that last point, you actually lead on to, to the next question I was going to ask was, I think for a lot of people who would be listening to this would say, yeah, you know, the results of what you've done are fantastic. It sounds great that you've managed to persuade the board. I get the overall concept. What do I need to do here from a practical standpoint
1: mm.
0: when it's, yeah, you know, for example, a marketer who may be in an organization where maybe the board doesn't really take the marketing department as seriously as it should yeah. and maybe thinking, okay, how can I change that around? What are what are the steps that I need to do yeah. in order to sort of change that perception?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a path we took. Uh, it took a few years. The trickiest bit is in the first 18 months, which for any CMO mm-hmm. or any exec, it's a bit of a survival jo- job. Mm-hmm. You've got to show early early impact. Yeah. Uh, CMO tenure, I think on average, is sort of 18 months or something mm-hmm. crazy. So, you know, that's that's... Partly is getting through that survival job, but the investment in the marketing effectiveness team to, to build the modelings, to build the modeling, to build the econometrics is a is a really core part of that. Uh, and so, um, you know, many many companies won't have an out and out marketing effectiveness function, and they mm-hmm. maybe rely on the media agency to do that. Okay, but I think the real trick here uh, is. The fine balance between having a marketing effectiveness function that is a critical friend mm-hmm. of the marketing function itself, so having a marketing effectiveness function which is a critical friend of the marketing function, um, but sits within. Right. Okay. Because typically, you would say it needs to sit in an external function; otherwise, it's marking their own yeah, marking yeah, their yeah, own homework. homework. But there's no doubt that the real impact of marketing effectiveness team is working within the process. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a sort of you get to a threshold level of credibility mm-hmm. for the CMO to own the marketing effectiveness function and then you get to the sweet spot. Yeah. It's the credibility but also the impact. So yeah, I mean out and out having a having a marketing effectiveness function that's independent but integrated that's that's a really interesting part. Mm-hmm. But more broadly we are essentially talking about culture. Right. Okay. And uh, the kind of obvious thing to say is that many people don't get good commercial grounding at the beginning of their marketing career mm. uh, and so we set out as one of our team objectives this is going back 20 uh, 2013 14 uh, we said ruthless commerciality okay. was, was our objective then yeah. um, we invested in that and even now we're invested in um, da- investing in data literacy mm-hmm. uh, f- for the whole team uh, and slightly funny odd story we've named all the rooms after our core objectives and so the ruthless commerciality room and i remember the fca came to visit and uh they got a bit sweaty about the fact that you know what don't what even marketing doesn't care about customers no 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 no. this is all about our internal credibility it's fine we still care but i think that 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 we want you know ultimately want to build rounded marketers and i go back to my mars days where Frankly, a lot of this conversation conversation is superseded because it's mm. just it's the way it's set up. Marketing is a strategic function; it is a commercially literate function, mm-hmm. um, and most vice presidents and brand leaders and VP they, they're they're marketers, yeah, and the commercial ones at that. Um, but but in in many organisations, the. Yeah, junior marketers don't just don't get that grounding mm. um, because it, marketing is defined narrowly as communications. Yeah. So we've had to continually invest in making sure that yeah commerciality is on everybody's PDP, mm-hmm. and uh, we we stick to that.
0: And do you think? I mean, coming back to that point before, in terms of of some companies just relying on their agencies to provide that. I mean, do you think that that one of the issues here, potentially yours as well as the agencies, in terms mm. of their role and and maybe either how that's seen by the board or. Maybe in terms of yeah, I mean this is um, this is where marketing and procurement
1: are kindred spirits mm. because they they can provide another validation that we're getting value for money from our agencies mm-hmm. because I, I suspect that there is a preconception which is to some extent true that agencies are. You know very very creative, mm-hmm. um, but maybe not aligned from a commercial objectives okay. point of view so uh, there's a sort of a golden triangle so we work very closely with procurement to make sure that things are set up the right way and also their role is to help us to get aligned objectives so mm-hmm. everybody's got the right skin in the game mm-hmm. shared reward for shared objectives so yeah there's a there's a bit of there's a bit of a golden triangle there to make sure that we keep our agencies on their toes uh, give them fair value, but make sure that it is Fair value yeah, and not, and not yeah, yeah. more, um, b- because I mean let's let's be clear. It's pretty pretty tough for, yeah. for agencies. Um, tough to get talent, um, mm-hmm. and uh, in general, you know we've, we're in in pretty tough times. Mm-hmm. Advertising may seem buoyant, but it's largely driven by inflation. So I think you know there's um, there, there's a win win, but it's procurement play a key role in that.
0: Right. Okay. That is interesting because you know obviously sort of agencies procurement is one of the words that. That gets mentioned most often, not necessarily in a positive, <laughs> in a positive way. I guess one other thing, just on the agency standpoint, which which maybe is sort of, I don't know whether it's a slightly unfair question to ask, but I'll ask it anyway. In terms of this, is do you feel as though your agencies understand the business? And and what I mean by that? That is, you there is yeah, you know, there's a lot of information. I always feel that, for example, agencies. You can find out about their clients, you know, whether it's reading through the annual report or listen to investor calls to see what the main priorities for shareholders. You're know, looking at strategic plans and, uh, and so forth. Do you, do you feel as though agencies sort of, uh, as it were, do that sort of groundwork, or or do you think it's more sort of template that is is brought in and
1: I, I fundamentally believe you get the agency you deserve. Right. Okay. And that that job is on the client to make sure that they set their agency up well, Mm -hmm. including understanding the context. I mean, you're right. You would expect them to be diligent and tuned Mm -hmm. in, and there are lots of means by which they can do that. But to really get between the lines of what's Mm -hmm. going on, I think that the onus is on the client to make sure that they're not just briefing at creative point, but taking their agencies on a journey Mm -hmm. um, so that it is a a shared interest. And the criticality of that is that then they're in a strong position to be an active challenger. Mm -hmm. And what I really appreciate most about our agencies is it it, you know it it's an active is there's a bit of tension you know and they 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 can challenge us and bid us up on things as much as we can them because they understand the business stuff to know where some of the push and pull points are so um yeah passive sort of head nodding stuff from agencies actually doesn't serve anybody well Mm. uh but but it starts with the client needs to make sure that they are keeping their agencies mm-hmm. up to date.
0: Up to date. I don't, just, just want to sort of flip it back in terms of the conversation. Mm. And so you talked about sort of in terms of the marketing department, the commerciality and the, the sort of crucial steps that take there. Yeah, in terms of the board itself, in terms of as were, you know, board members trying to get sort of a more knowledgeable about the function is this very much of a one-way street is it so much that it's the marketing department essentially has to educate the board sort of or have you found with your board for example that there's been more and more of an interest in in board members trying to find out what happens with marketing and its importance in the organization
1: yeah it, it varies quite a bit so um, some of our non-execs are because uh, I have to look at an exec and a non-exec yeah. so but if I look at for us our, our board is the non-exec board and um there's quite a mixed bag in terms mm. of some are very marketing literate um we just, we just Adrian joseph joined <laughs> our board uh about a year or so ago you know he's amazing around data and ai and ml and Tech and uh, uh, from BT, and you know, so he's very interested in the Martech side mm. of marketing. Uh, Seb James, CEO of uh, Boots uh, Walgreens, is uh, you know he knows he's a seasoned marketer, came right. up through the marketing function. So I think it varies, and this is a little bit like, you know, what what's at the heart of marketing is to know mm. your customer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and uh, and so good, effective networking at a board level. Right? Mm. hey, I'm no expert, mm. uh, and Jobs never cracked as such, but is to understand what their hotspots are, what their buttons are, mm-hmm. that how they personally perceive the marketing function. So it's a classic of, yeah, know your customer.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And you know, Lest we forget, you know, kind of everything's marketing, isn't it? In a sense of you want people to think, feel, do certain yeah. stuff. Um, So that's got to be based on insight.
0: Yeah. As you said, there's internal marketing, and sometimes that gets neglected because people don't think, Yep. necessarily in that way now that it's a it's a very interesting point of view as that and it almost as well approached the board as you would your your end consumer if you want to get what you you want there was a i mean when we was coming back sort of uh, something you mentioned before about return on investment i it, it, i guess there's an a, an interesting point of view here as to i would be very interested in your thoughts on this you know, when you look at when you look at marketing spend, sort of people always talk about return investment as the main metric, but it almost seems as though what you have is that you have, as you do, two different types of advertising spend, and maybe what you need are two different types of metrics. Hmm. So if, for example, I, I mean, I come from a, as mentioned before, i come from a banking background yeah. and so forth, and I look at this and I say, okay, performance marketing, return investment makes sense for that, given it's sort of, of where it's looking at and the timescales involved. If I look at brand investment, I as an analyst, for example, wouldn't see return on investment as necessarily the best metric, mm-hmm. the best valuation metrics you use on a on brand investment takes over the next couple of years. I'd say something like net present value, mm-hmm. your net present value, discounted cash flow, yeah. whichever you want to call it, and so forth. And one of the 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 questions I would have is, is it were when it comes to marketing, has the return and investment sort of conversation actually has yeah, has sure. too much too much influence yeah, I, there is a balance for yeah. sure
1: um so out and out return on investment performance marketing you know that's bank that mm-hmm. uh, as as regards brand building so we we track awareness consideration preference um intent and and the core brand metrics which signal brand health mm-hmm. brand power you know there's there's a there's any number of brand mm-hmm. tracking metrics uh and they're from my point of view they're crucial to see brand health.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now that's super important, but that doesn't always wash in isolation. What, mm. what does that mean? Yeah. So you've increased your consideration by 1%. What does that actually mean? And this is where the integration of the short-term ROI metrics and the brand tracking metrics, mm-hmm. and this is this sort of beast of a statistical model that we built. Mm. To link the two, mm-hmm. so that you can translate movements in brand metrics into something measurable from a short and a long term mm-hmm. ROI basis, that's where the magic is. Uh, and um, so, yeah, in 2018, we got this uh, this the new learning award from the IPA mm-hmm. for doing that. Um, and it was it was a lot of work, a lot of heavy lifting yeah. in doing that. And Ubiquity were a key part of of the modeling of that. But that's that's where the magic is. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. and. Mm-hmm. both in terms of you need both but also the integration of both mm-hmm. um and then you then you sort of give legitimacy to those brand metrics mm-hmm. to the eyes of those
0: who would otherwise be maybe a bit more skeptical mm-hmm. yeah and I think yeah you know, as you said it's that importance of having credible data mm. and studies that backs backs this up i guess it if, if one's wants to end on a gear you know, on a note, not even a note, but more of a, more of a question. And I think we've touched on a lot of these topics before and so forth, but there will be many marketers out there who'll be thinking, okay, things are changing. What do I need to do? And you mentioned before in terms of what you need to do in terms of the, the performance marketing, uh, not performance marketing rather, but the, the credibility, the commerciality of the mm. data uh, and so forth. For those marketers who are looking at things now and wondering, right, what do I need to do? Sort of to overcome, as it were, the the upcoming storm. What would be your advice?
1: I think a lot of it comes down to well, there's a number of things, but you know, obviously, building the right team and capability mm-hmm. to be able to uh, pursue a commercial, you know, pursue marketing commercially. But I think I think the key pivot point is just we've which we've touched on in a couple of ways. Mm. Get get the right metrics landed. Mm-hmm. Um, the advent of digitization and, and digital marketing has meant that there's myriad metrics. Um, and and, and you know, honestly, when I judge a lot of marketing awards, you know, it, there's a lot of them like, frankly, who cares? Yeah. But mm. you can get execs and non-execs hooked on the wrong metrics. So mm. wh- what are the metrics that really drive the business outcome?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and make sure that those are the ones that you're focusing on and talk incessantly about them and let go of some of the things that may still be important metrics. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've got, you, you always know them yourself, but yeah. they're just not the ones you talk about. So it, it really does come down to talking the language that matters, yeah, the language of the board, what really matters to them. And, and what, you know, what is uh, Thomas Barter um, in his latest book, the 12 powers of marketing leader or something? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the value creation zone, mm. which is ultimately dot, dot, dot. What are the metrics that really matter for the business? And I don't think you can go go wrong from there because then you're, you know, if they if they're in your favor or they're not, at least you having a, a current, yeah, currency mm-hmm. um, that that people care about. Um, I think that's, you know, the the methamphetamine of some of the non-value added metrics. Just it's just a huge distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, whatever it is, figure that out. Agree that with the CFO and the mm. CEO. You know, here's all the things I could talk to you about. Uh, here's the things that I think really matter. Do you agree? Okay, well, let's just be incessant
0: on those metrics. Mm-hmm. And don't go down a rabbit hole. Don't go down a rabbit and hole. Don't go, <laughs> indeed. Mark, that's been absolutely superb. Thanks very much. Thanks for taking the time. It's been great. Pleasure. Happy to be involved. Thanks, Ian. Thanks very much, Mark. I'm delighted to let you know that we will be back with a second series of this podcast. I'll be continuing the conversation with more advertising change agents on how marketers can inspire change of their own and navigate the macroeconomic landscape. Stay tuned. We hope you enjoyed listening and wherever you get your podcasts, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. For further resources, downloadable slides, and more information on all the topics covered in our podcasts, visit changemakers.jcdeco.co.uk. You'll also find my short e-learning series there on how to speak the language of the CFO on the JC Deco Digital Academy. Thanks for joining and see you next time.